Thanks again for joining us online. My name's Mark. We're really glad that you've joined us today, that you found us online from all these different countries and states and places across the city. We're a Christ-centered church for all people. And we're all about seeing just the power of the message of God's love for us in Jesus Christ to transform lives, to renew cities with the hope of Christ and to change the world. So glad that you're here and thanks you guys for again filling the van record amount of food helping out the families in Mendota. And on this Memorial Day weekend, it's just good to pause and reflect and remember the lives of those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, their own lives, on our behalf, that we could enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy, even under COVID-19, this very day. We bless them, and we think of those who have people in the military right now, like Lori and I, our son-in-law, John, whom we love, just, you know, we're mindful of how they're in harm's way many times as they serve our country on our behalf. And I know a big question that's been going around town, that's been going around our conversations, when are we going to get back to normal? Like, when are we going to get back to church? When can we open the church? Hey, you guys, you know the church has always been open, right? It's not about buildings. It's not about brick and mortar. It's always been about the people of God. We're open, reaching more people, more places than ever before. But I have to say, since I recorded the vlog last week, things have already changed. As the uh, jurisdictions move from the state level to the county level, and now there's more nuance to it and more specificity to it. We used to have three phases, now we have four. So we're in the safer at home. Hopefully May 26th, this next week, we'll be moving into phase one. For 14 days, if things hold, phase two. For 14 days, if things hold, phase three. And then again, another 14 days, you know, at a minimum, phase four. You realize if things spike, we could actually go back before we go forward again. So who knows? Uh, who knows what inning we're in right now, this nine-inning game. But it's good to just be patient and to remember right now what's guiding us, what's guiding us as leadership right now. It's the law of love, not the uh, rhetoric of politics. And it's just providing excellent ministries, not trying to defend our religious freedoms. Those are intact. And the political winds are blowing, to be sure. That's not what this is about. It's the law of love that Jesus calls us to, right? To love our neighbors, ourselves, and so to love each other well, and to take care of the vulnerable, to love our communities well. And so we've always had this disposition to seek the peace and prosperity of our city, to pray for it, so we want to work with and for the city, knowing and believing that when the city prospers in all the ways that God intends, spiritually, physically, economically, socially, then we too as God's people prosper. That's the truth and the command in Jeremiah 29.7. And so the law of love is going to be everything. That's our starting point. And then as we come back into safe facilities, we want to make sure that we're honoring God with what we're doing and we're providing excellent ministries where you go, this is awesome. Not like, what happened to my church? And like, this is the worst church experience I've ever had. And so um, be patient, right? We, we don't know exactly what it's all going to look like. Things could change. But for now, we continue to do our ministries online. As we move into phase one, hey, we have the opportunity to explore what would it look like to safely gather in groups physically, maybe outside because there's more room. And phase two, 
we're wondering if there's a possibility to gather in neighborhoods, uh, maybe 10 to 20 in a group, and to invite friends and neighbors who aren't part of Door Creek to join us, to share a meal, brunch, lunch, whatever. Just kind of wondering about that. And in phase three, we think we aren't going to have an opportunity to move into our spaces safely and to provide an excellent church experience. So you guys know that there's no playbook for this, right? None of us were around in 1918 for the last pandemic. And so we're doing the best we can. And there's not a right or wrong. We're all seeking wisdom. And it's good to know different churches are going to respond differently. And so if we're slow on this and others are fast, it's really important that we respect those decisions, pray for the safety of those congregations, right? And then as we extend grace to our brothers and sisters scattered across this city and the state, it's really important to understand that we need to do the same to each other. I'm so excited about this week's message. So we're in this Now What series. And today's uh, ideas. When the need we see is greater than the resources we have, now what? Now what? It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. The 5,000 men is the equivalent of perhaps 20,000 children and spouses who were along for the day's journey and listening to Jesus' teaching. And it's this awesome story that we're actually going to be able to not just hear about and learn from, but actually right away today apply in our own lives, which is so cool. And we're gonna be doing that as I tell you more about something we've been talking about last couple of weeks, our new partnership with Compassion International in Honduras, where the little that we have, even a buck 25 a day, can make a huge difference in a kid's life, in a family's life, in a community's life, in a nation's life. So grab your Bible, we're in Mark chapter six, and the context here is Jesus' disciples have just been sent out two by two. Jesus said, yeah, all you can take is your staff, your walking stick. Don't take any food. Remember that. No bread, no money. Don't take a bag full of clothes and gear. You just trust me. Learn to depend upon me as you do ministry for me. Healing people, teaching about me. So they're coming back. They're excited to share the stories with Jesus. And we pick it up in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed, and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So I love this story, right? They're coming back. They're all excited. But there's no time, because the, the press of the crowd is there. And Jesus wants this debrief. And he knows the disciples need some rest and some nourishment. So they, they kind of slip away, but they don't slip away because the crowds see him, and you could just see him almost in her mind's eye, running along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, actually getting to the spot before Jesus and the disciples, so to speak, part the boat. And so when he sees them, he's moved with compassion, right? That's his move. That's his response. He didn't say, you guys, 
What do you think I got in the boat for? Leave us alone already. No, he's moved with compassion. And he begins to teach them. Luke says about the kingdom of God, how he's God's king. What it's like to, to live life under his kingly, kind, merciful, loving rule. What his kingdom looks like in our lives lived out. What it's going to look like one day in its fullness. And he's teaching them. And his take is really different from the disciples' take. So Jesus is moved with compassion, and he has them sit down, and he's teaching them. And the disciples, well, they've got a whole different take. They may have been moved by some empathy here, but it was just a feeling. There was no love in action, because here's what they said. Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to them. This is a remote place. Jesus, we are in the middle of nowhere. They said to him, and it's already very late. It's supper time. It's child time. We're hungry. They're hungry. It's time. Send the people away, verse 36, so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and get this, buy themselves something to eat. But he, Jesus, answered, you give them something to eat. I love that. They said to him, well, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? Are you telling me a half year's of wages for a couple of crumbs? You really want us to spend money that way? Jesus said this, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five, two fish. Then Jesus directed them all to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. So here we go. The same groups are seeing the same thing. There's a lot of people, it's late in the day, and they need sustenance, but radically two takes. The disciples say, send them away, let them fend for themselves. Jesus says, let them stay, and guys, feed them. Take care of them. Awesome. So it's really important to understand when we see a need that is greater than our resources, it's easy to conclude like the disciples. There's nothing we can do. This is an impossibility. And to convince ourselves, therefore, that there is nothing to do because we can't make a difference. The needs are simply too great, too great. Now, I love how Jesus draws their attention not to the greatness of the need, but to the resources that were available to them. You go feed them. Well, we don't have the resources. Well, what do you have? How much bread do you have? They're looking at each other, and they go, Jesus. Then he says, well, go, go see. Not just from you. There's a lot of people out there. Go see if anybody else has any bread out there. So this is awesome. He really was really concerned that they didn't believe a lie that his followers then and his followers now could easily believe that not having enough resources is the same as not having any resources. So here's the deal, right? Because we know who Jesus is. He's the son of God who does these amazing miracles. And we know what God has done in the past. So get this, Jesus could have just said, guys, just watch what happens. Sit down, I'm gonna show you something about who I am. And then all of a sudden he says, lift your eyes. And all of a sudden they go, 
This is awesome. Like there are these baskets floating down from heaven, overflowing with barley loaves and fish, like the manna that came from heaven. And the quail, when God fed his people in the wilderness, as they came out of slavery and oppression, out of Egypt, back in the Old Testament. He could have done that. But no, no, he wanted to teach his disciples a lesson here. He, he wanted to not just have them be spectators of a miracle. He wanted them to be participants. He wanted them to be uh, dispensers of grace, not just people who watched it all happening because of somebody else's work. And so he includes them. He involves them. And, and then he tells the people, he tells the disciples, get the people organized. And I can just imagine if you're Peter, like Peter's always thinking out loud. I can just hear Peter mumbling to himself. He's saying, folks, we need to gather in groups of 50. You guys, you 50 around here. Hey, you guys, that looks like about 100 there. You guys stay together. We're going to get some food. And then he's thinking, yeah, what kind of food do we got? We got like three Hawaiian loaves, little buns here, and a couple of fish sticks. How is this going to work? Well, here's how it's going to work. Look at verse 41. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. See, they're involved. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate, all 20,000 perhaps, they all ate and were satisfied. They, they ate till they were full. Think Thanksgiving. They were full. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish. He lifts his head to heaven and he thanks the Father for even this, what we would call meager provision. And after giving thanks, the text tells us that he broke the bread. He broke the bread. And he broke the bread. And he broke more bread until there were literally 12 baskets full of leftovers. How great is that? I know what you're thinking. How did he do that? The Bible doesn't tell us because that's not the important thing. The important thing is that he did that, reminding us of who he is, the Son of God. And it tells us why he did that. He was moved with compassion. That was a compassion that went out for their spiritual condition, that's why he taught them, as well as their physical condition. That's why he instructed his disciples to feed them. When the need you see is greater than the resources you have, the now what move is to look to Jesus, to turn to Jesus, to trust him. So how many of us right now have one of those big deals in our life? I mean, the need is overwhelming, and we're concluding right now, there's nothing I can do about it. We might be paralyzed. We might just be convinced and in that depressed that this thing is so much bigger than us, and it's, it's just going to win the day in our lives. It's super important that we don't forget, like the disciples, who Jesus is and what he can do. You know, Jesus just sent them out, right? And remember what I said. Remember that he didn't allow them to take bread. None of them came back starving. Yeah, they were hungry, but they weren't starving. They were taken care of. None of them died of starvation. They're all back reporting in and all that had transpired. 
They had forgotten what Jesus said when he said, you guys, don't worry about the stuff of this life. Your food, your drink, your clothing. Don't be anxious about those things. Remember the birds. I take care of them. Look, they don't plant crops. They don't gather them in. But every day, I feed them. They forgot. They forgot. And so Jesus is teaching them. And as he's teaching them, he's teaching his disciples today. Don't confuse what you don't have with what you do have. And when you look at what you do have, and it's not very much, don't confuse that and say, well, then God can't do very much because I don't have very much. No, the little in God's hands is something that can be miraculously multiplied. Don't think the needs that we see that are greater than ourselves is somebody else's problem. The disciples were convinced this ain't our problem. Jesus, you take care of it. And by the way, at the end of the day, it's their problem. So you send them home to buy food, remember what it said, for themselves, for themselves. Don't lose sight of Jesus when you're confronted with this big need in your life or in this world, and all you can see is the need, remember Jesus is greater than the need. Don't let the need eclipse the greatness of Christ. They, they were forgetting who they've been following, Jesus, the Son of God. That was his claim. That's what they believed. The one who heals the sick, right? Makes the lame to walk, the blind to see. The lepers are cleansed of their leprosy. The dead are raised. He can even calm a raging storm. Don't forget and lose sight of Jesus. Don't ever underestimate that whatever we, the little we have, it can become much when it's offered to God. And don't miss his invitation to allow us to be Partners with him in extending his mercy, his kindness, his compassion, his love in action to people. And that's what I love about this church, you guys. I love that you care about the most vulnerable. I love how we've been focused on children around our city and through our partners around the world. And that's so important that we understand this is a huge privilege that we could share in his joy, that we could be dispensers not only of compassion, but of life-giving hope. So when the need's greater than the resources, then we just got to keep trusting him, turning to him, remembering that he's the God of compassion who acts in love. That's who Jesus is for us today, for you, friend, today. He cares. He's, he cares about the people who are brokenhearted. He's close to them. He gives preferential treatment to the vulnerable, the orphans, the widow, the poor, the, the, the elderly, he cares about these people, the sojourners, the refugees. And he blesses those who shares food with the poor. That's what Proverbs 22.9 says. He blesses those who share their food with the poor. Thanks for doing that. Trust this compassionate one who says to the crowd who are lost like a sheep without a shepherd, just follow me. And there's some of us right now, you're listening to me and you go, that's me right now, lost, without direction. I've been chasing a lot of things. I don't know where to turn, where to go. And Jesus is saying, and he says this in, in, in the word, which recorded, I'm the good shepherd. I, I know you. I, I call you by name. I made you. I loved you. And, and the shepherd, the good shepherd, lays his life down for the sheep. He doesn't, doesn't just prov provide bread and, and water. But he's willing to sacrifice, and not only willing, that's what he did. He loves you. 
And he's inviting you to follow him and to find life abundant and free and rich. A life that deals with our past gives us hope today and meaning and purpose today and, and, and a sense of optimism because we know the end of the story when he makes all things right. Have you done that? Oh, that's our greatest desire to see more people become devoted followers of Christ. And there isn't anything that would give us more joy than to hear that today you're following Jesus, the compassionate Savior who's looking to you to guide you in this life, to go with you in this life, the one who is for you, the one who actually went all the way to the cross that you might have life today. Let us know so we can help you as you move forward in that relationship. So we got to trust him, that he's compassionate, that he can handle the greatest needs because he's already handled the greatest need of the world. When he came to this earth and lived a perfect life to die our perfect substitute, and he was crucified on the cross, buried, and three days later rose again, he did that to address the greatest need the world has ever faced. And that is our relationship with God or lack of because of our own rebellion and trying to run our own lives in this world. And so we can trust him with the big things because he's already handled the biggest thing at the price of his own life. Trust him. And whether you have little or maybe you're someone who, man, there's just baskets full of leftovers of God's abundance in your life. God's saying, will you join me in this work, whether it's little or much? Because he says, don't waste the much and don't belittle the little. Use it, give it to me, that I might bless it and extend my compassion through your gifts to make a difference in other people's lives. So here's the fun part, all right? That's the teaching, right? When the need we face is greater than the resources we have, trust Jesus. All right, so here's, here's the move we can do. We can actually do that right now. So I want to tell you about Compassion International. I've known about it for years. When I was a youth pastor, we sponsored kids as a youth group. Lori and I, our kids, we had a child that we sponsored. We wrote letters back and forth. It was awesome. But the truth is, I didn't know the half of this awesome organization, that, that this organization that just loves on kids has been doing so for 65 years. So the lights went on. When this past January, when my colleague, Pastor Mark Deering, and I traveled to Africa and got to see what it looks like in real space and time with kids and families and communities, how the love of Christ and the compassion and mercy of God is flowing through people who are joined up with Compassion International. So this organization's been around for a while. It's centered on Christ. It's all about working through local churches, and it is, it is laser-focused on children. Uh, to date, there's almost... Two million kids that are sponsored across 25 countries through 8,000 churches. And we're going to start partnering with four new churches in Honduras. Their mission is very simple, is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And when it comes to the topic of poverty, let me say that's one of those now what's. I mean, what in the world are we to do? What can we do? Poverty is such this, this huge thing that is just gripping the world. Let me just give you some statistics. So, so kind of just 
begin to get our minds around it. Today, there are around 800 million people living in poverty. Almost half of those, 385 million, are living on less than a buck 85 a day. This is, this is shocking, this next one. Every day, almost 18,000 children under five die from preventable diseases. Now, I, I did some calculations. Here's what we know right now. The very first recorded case of COVID-19 was January 11th, 2020. If you take those days and multiply it by 18,000, what we have, this is how many children under five have died worldwide, 2,412,000. That's a statistic we haven't heard amidst all the statistics. And that is shocking. Almost 2.5 million children have died of preventable diseases. Since this service started some 40 minutes ago, over 400 children under the age of five have died. Almost half of those in the first four weeks of their life. That's why Compassion has this new awesome ministry called Child Survival Training. And we got to see that. These soon-to-be mothers and these new mothers holding their babies and learning all about what it means to care and see this child thrive in the years to come. Nearly one out of five children under the age of five is malnourished. And over 60 million school-age kids aren't in school. And so the need is great. Our resources aren't sufficient, but we can't do the move of the disciples and say, send them away. It's somebody else's problem. Let them feed themselves. They're not in a position to do that, and we are. And compassion is awesome because it's this Christ-centered ministry that's teaching them the Bible and who Jesus is and how he made them and loves them. It's giving them not only a Christian education, but a great education. It's teaching about health and hygiene. It's helping them dream dreams about the future and get places that they never and their parents never dreamed imaginable. And get this, in the last year, out of those two million kids that are sponsored by people like you and me, one sponsor to a child. Get this, over 120,000 of those kids placed their trust, said yes to Jesus just last year. And we can be a part of that. And so we went to Africa, and after three days of being on the ground and, and seeing that center there, working with the young moms and, and, and going to the Calvary Academy and seeing Pastor John. Remember, he's the guy who planted 167 churches in his lifetime there and seeing the work with the 300 kids and feeding them and all the things going on there, visiting in the homes, going to the national headquarters and seeing how they send and transmit 500,000, a half a million uh, letters back and forth to the kids there in Kenya. We were blown away. And then I sat down and met Nancy. Oh my goodness, this beautiful 20-year-old graduate of Compassion. Started when she was six. There's a godly woman in Canada that wrote her and supported her and sent her not only loving notes, but birthday gifts. And there was more there to help the family as well. And Nancy graduated from high school and Compassion and this sponsor helped her get into the university where she was finishing up her English lit degree with great dreams to uh, get a master's and support her family. 
And when she talked about compassion, she couldn't stop. She was just gushing with praise, thanking God for how her life was changed forever through compassion. So I want you to hear Hilda's story, because Hilda's the same story, and it's just one of thousands. So that your heart continues to be shaped and moved by the opportunity that God's presenting us today. Check out this video. When I was five years old, my dad broke his leg and he couldn't work. We didn't have money for food. I was very scared. Near our home, bad people would be out at night and there was always trash everywhere. I felt like no one cared about me and I didn't matter. When I was nine, one of my neighbors told me about compassion. I didn't know what it was about, but I liked it because I received a lot of help. I was fed there at the church and I learned how to take care of myself. I learned that I was special and that God loved me and that he had a plan for my life. And I learned that I could ask Jesus into my heart. And when I did, I was so happy. I was waiting to get a letter from my sponsor. And when it finally came, I felt very happy and special. They were very loving in their letters. They loved me so much, even though we never met in person. At 15, I remember being so thankful for my sponsors and everything they did for me. I will remember them until the last day of my life. Without their help, my life would be so different. All I can say is thank you for so much love that showed me God's love. Now, I know I have value and I know I have a future. My name is Hilda, this is my story. a child from poverty in Jesus' name. A child is waiting for you. I love Hilda's story. And to just see the ripple effects, you can just feel it. You can just see the concentric circles going out from that initial sponsor who took the little that they had and placed it in God's hand, who gave it over to Compassion to distribute to Hilda. And the ripples are going out and impacting kids and communities and families around her country. And that is so awesome. That's why Lori and I were so excited this last week to sponsor Olvin, a 13-year-old who's part of those four churches that we're supporting now in Honduras. And he's never had a sponsor. In fact, there's only ever one sponsor per child. And so we're going to get to know this little guy. And we're going to be able to encourage this little guy. 
And one day, we hope to meet little Olvin and give him a big post-COVID-19 hug. And it's going to be awesome. And one day, you're going to have the opportunity to do that as well. But the action today is to just trust God with what he's given us, whether it's a little or 12 baskets of extra, that some of us are ready to, to do a couple of kids, because we can. And some of us, honestly, we don't even have a paycheck right now. And so this isn't the right time for you. And those of us that have some funds but not enough funds, maybe we pull together as a family with friends in a small group. That's what our high school students did, and that was great and awesome. And so in this country with almost 10 million kids, uh, 10 million people, look, we, we can't hit everybody. We can't serve every child, but I can make a difference. And Lori and I and our kids can make a difference in Olvin's life. And you know what? It's not only going to impact his life, but it's going to change our lives as well. And so we want to give you the opportunity. And it's really simple. Right now, go to another phone or laptop or whatever you got in front of you and get on to doorcreekchurch.org slash compassion. And here's what you'll see. This great website uh, and this page here on our website that shows all these different children. And right now, I'm asking you to choose to sponsor one of these kids. Bring him into your family. Bring him into your sphere of influence. You, with a buck 25 a day, can make a life-changing difference in this child's life. So our team's going to come back and sing. The video is going to be all about Honduras, but I want you to go right now to that website. The goal is that we have 250 kids sponsored through Door Creek Church this week. So who's going to be first to jump in? Let's continue to worship as we sponsor and share God's love with these great kids. See you. 
Jesus be the center It's all about you Yes, it's all about you From my heart to the heavens Jesus be the center It's all about you Yes, it's all about you Thanks again for joining us and for lending your heart to God's heart for the most vulnerable. We're all about that and want to just continue to extend his compassion to those in need. So stay tuned because we'll give you updates through social media this week about what's going on in the life of the church and our new partnership with Compassion International here at Door Creek Church. So let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, I just thank you that you have made it so clear that you're a God of compassion and you want us in on the action, not just to receive it, but then just to dispense it. And so grow us in that, Lord, to see the need and be moved by the need. Forgive us for the times when we just have concluded impossible. There's nothing we can do. Lord, send them away. And Lord, thanks for changing our hearts, growing our hearts, opening our hands. And Lord, for some of us that just don't have a lot of resources right now, I just pray that you'd encourage them to be faithful with what they do have, to honor you. And for those who are following you for the first time today, give them a new joy and hope in this day for whatever's challenging them. And Lord, may your peace and your blessing rest upon your people as we go to be your hands and feet to serve like you 
a world that desperately needs hope in Christ. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.